Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Pole Hitter Podcast. My name is Rob and I'll be your host. And today we're going to be talking about a basic introduction into Keeper League. In the plethora of leagues available to play in fantasy baseball, my favorite is the Keeper League. There are probably a million definitions for what a Keeper League is and the differences between Keeper and Dynasty vary from similar to really different. In a Keeper League, you and your fellow owners will be retaining players on a year-to-year basis. But with enough turnover after everyone makes their keepers that there will be some accessibility to some top-end talent. In Dynasty Leagues, most, if not all, of the top talent is retained from year to year, and what you'll be doing is backfilling your roster with prospects, recent MLB draft picks, J2 international signings, and backups. Perhaps you notice in your Keeper League, you have more top-end talent available on a year-to-year basis. While some may play more like a dynasty, well, there is left top-level talent available at the draft time. If your league had been playing for maybe more than two or three years, you should have been able to identify some patterns by now. There are many different ebbs and flows to a keeper league. To try and establish a predictive model for it would be nearly impossible. The Keeper League usually has a feel of a consistent cycle of trying to compete one year and then maybe trying to rebuild the next while still staying competitive. Although flags do fly forever and the goal for me is to definitely try to win every year, it is not easily done in a well-cycled Keeper League. For teams that win in one year, the cost of winning might have come in the form of trading multiple cheap assets to acquire a stud to help you win the league, unless you completely crush the draft or... When you acquired that stud, you know, maybe the owner didn't squeeze enough assets out of you. But this is what I did last year. I traded for Jake DeGrom for Ketel Marte, who I got for a dollar in my draft. And a couple of other young, you know, keeper, possible, profitable players. My team was pretty good, probably in the top four. And DeGrom just really pushed it above where it needed to be and it helped me win. And this is where the Keeper League shines. You know, they got the constant turning and tossing of whether to trade cheap, high-profit keepers for an expensive player that you will most likely not be freezing is kind of the wife of the league. That feeling of playing pretend MLB GM is what gives the Keeper League such an edge in playing formats. Whether your Keeper list is strong or weak, the great thing about a Keeper League is that you can have several attack points to have a solid draft and remain competitive via trading and shrewd free agency moves. Your decision to go for it and win and forfeit some of the future is one that can lead to a championship or several years of future ruin. The key is that you have to find that balance. It's a happy balance. You should be striving to win in any given season while also having an eye toward not weakening your club too much for the ensuing seasons. You want your team to remain a force every year so that it gives you the flexibility to go either direction in trade scenarios that lead to future team builds. Maybe you realize that even by trading a stud away for cheap profitable keepers that your team can still compete for this year's trophy while setting yourself up for the next couple of years as well. In Keeper League, there are a big bag of tools that you can carry around to be as successful as you need to be. Just as a carpenter or a plumber carries their essential tools to the job, they must be able to use them and know how to use them to be effective and efficient at their craft. There are a ton of keeper leagues out there, all with different league settings and different keeper rules. So following a specific technique 
or approach to winning all comes with the caveat of knowing the rules and dynamics of your league. It is why there aren't a specific set of rules that encompasses all keeper leagues. With that being said, we can use these specific tactics to gain an edge on your league mate. In this podcast, we will go over some simple things to know about Keeper Leagues, and then we will go forward with some strategies and approaches in future podcasts in this Auction Keeper League series. Before we get started with our next segment on what things to really be aware of in your Keeper League, let's have a word from our sponsor. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So first thing to be aware of is the size. The size really matters. How many owners or teams are in your league? For keeper leagues, it is pretty critical to understand your league roster size. The basics are, of course, how many rosters will be active, how many you can have in your reserves, is there a maximum on any position that you can carry on your roster at once, is there a separate roster for minors, understand how many IR spots will be available, and more important, who is eligible for these spots. Finally, the most critical size is how many players you are allowed to hold over from one year to the next. Most often, this is where leagues tend to vary the most, so it's important to know this simple rule. Understand all the league settings and the rules. Know what the format of your league is. Is it points-based? Is it roto? Is it head-to-head? Is it a snake draft? Is it an auction league? Just make sure you understand all these different leagues and how it influences player values. Number three is understanding the keeper rules of your league. Every player who is held over always comes at a contemplation of cost built into their value. You will need to know what the cost will be to keep these players for the next year or multiple years to come and compare it to the other teams in your league. For standard snake drafts, some leagues play with no keeper penalty. For example, if there are five keepers per team, it basically represents the first five five rounds of the draft. This is the league where you probably need the least amount of prep for keeper-wise. Some leagues require that you lose the round that you picked that player in. So if we took you on Mankata last year in round 10, you will lose the 10th round pick in the draft. For the focus of this article, we will be talking about auction keeper leagues. There are tons of different auction keeper league settings out there with the keeper focus varying from contract length to the monetary value of salary increases. Some leagues might lean on a year-to-year holdover basis for players where it's a plus five dollar from the previous year's cost to keep the player. Some leagues will add in amount of years you can keep a player before he's mandated to go back into the pool. Maybe you can have a guy for one, two, or three years. Then there are leagues with contracts that include both price increases and length of service time. I am the commissioner of a league that was started in 2007. It's a head-to-head category league. We have 10 keepers max per team with 12 owners and a cap of $275. We have 10 keepers max per team. You can keep as much as 10 or as little as you want. Though it's rare owners don't fully maximize having 10 keepers, 
you're not going to force yourself to keep players if it doesn't make sense for you. So, for instance, you're not going to keep Ronald Guzman for 10 bucks just because you have the space to do it. This is all part of paying attention to your rules, knowing what the rules are. I've had owners who didn't know that was the rule in my league when it was clearly stated in Constitution and also talked about a draft. The owner just wasn't paying attention. So just pay attention. Simple thing. We also have a pretty extensive contract salary system for holding players over for the years to come. If you want to keep a player for the following years, you add five bucks of the player's salary that year. If it's a dollar, it becomes six. You can sign a player to a two or three year deal. The, the two year deal jumps the player's salaries to plus four and then plus four in the two years that you sign them for. Again, we'll use the example of a one dollar player who, if you sign to a two year deal, will be five and then nine. When you want to sign a player to a three-year deal, the salary goes up $3 in each successive year after that. So that $1 rookie stud can be yours for the next three years at 4, 7, and 10. In our league, you can also hand out a max of two contracts to any one player before he needs to be released back into the player pool. So in theory, you can have a player for seven years if you draft him or add him via free agency, then sign him to two separate three-year deals. In this league, as with some other Keeper League format, the chance to own a player for most, if not all of his most productive seasons, is higher than some other leagues. But you still get a healthy dose of player turnover in the draft because players that were drafted or acquired through waivers at a cost that is too high for retaining. When you have to factor in these kinds of salaries or contract offerings, it is imperative to know them inside and out and how it relates to the player values in your league. The art of maximizing the most out of your keeper situation starts with knowing the rules. Just pay attention. Know everything inside and out. Know what's allowed. Know everything. It branches out to how you want to build your team. Will you look to build a team that you think will be a force from Three years from now and then be dominant in the years following. Are you good enough to even do that? There's a lot of chance and luck involved. We all know that. But knowing the holdover tendencies of other owners and how they prefer to build their teams is very helpful. You need to be constantly aware of how they like to draft, who they like to draft, categories they might target in the draft. Just keep records of every team's keepers and the ensuing draft results. Be mindful of their bidding patterns and drafts. Know how they like to pursue free agents and if they are willing trade partners. Just know it all inside and out. Like I always like to say, we are all at the same disposal of stats and how to interpret stats. And we're all catching up to each other now. So you really have to pay attention to how to win your leagues in other ways. It all helps. Pay attention to the fab system in your league. And some leagues, the fab results will show not only who won the bid, but who lost the bid is shown as well. So make a mental or handwritten note of who lost those bids because you know those owners are interested in that player that you just won. And sometimes maybe that player you just picked up doesn't have a place on your team in two to three weeks and the guy who lost out in the bid can still kind of use him. So you have to remember who was the guy who lost that bid. And instead of dropping this player into the player pool, you maybe can get something to help your team. Knowing who other owners value is such valuable information to have and probably the whole gist of the Keeper League. 
knowing your league and owner tendencies is just as equal as to nailing your player evals. I hope you enjoyed this article of the Auction Keeper League series. Next up, on the next pod, we'll be talking about inflation values. Thank you for joining us for episode three of the Pull Hitter podcast. You can find the Pull Hitter podcast on Twitter at Pull Hitter Pod. You can find my personal Twitter at Dead Pull Hitter. And you can also email us at pullhitterpodcast at gmail.com with any comments, suggestions, feedback. And if you would just like to join the Pull Hitter squad. Again, thanks for joining us for the Pull Hitter podcast. My name is Rob, and we'll see you on the next one.